Hello, and welcome to Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood, and I'll warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout, late-night meals. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Tennessee Pre, and Primate Apparel for their consistent support and encouragement. For the best hard-hitting ammonia in the game, there's none better than Steve at Skull Smash. If you're looking to hit a brutal pull and you need that added grip, Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is the highest quality on the market right now. If you're like me and you want that focus boost in your training without the caffeine crash, then Tennessee Pre is the pre-workout for you. And I'll swear by this, we are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who would do you ill is a vital part of my training, and you can head over to any of their Instagram pages to get some products. This afternoon, I have the privilege of speaking with Jessica Wester, USAPL star powerlifter and one of my longest standing connections for my intro into the powerlifting industry. Just as avid a gamer and dog lover as she is a monster on the platform, Jessica's intrinsic approach to training, coaching, and relationships led to one of the best episodes yet for the show. You don't want to miss a single minute as we talk creepy DMs, the rise and fall of the Assassin's Creed franchise, and competing at the Arnold in the midst of a global pandemic. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Jessica, what is going on? Hey, nothing much. Uh, I know uh, I reached out to you a little while ago about getting you on the podcast. I know you had yeah. stumbled across the charity wet one. And so I was yeah. excited to get you on and get to hear your story. Yeah, well, I'm excited to be here. I think that this is a really great opportunity to have a conversation. And, you know, I'm pretty free on Sundays. So I was super amped to have this opportunity. Yeah, I figure, you know, I generally try to record on Sundays. I know most people don't have anything going on. They're either not training <laughs> or they're sitting at home watching Netflix. So I was like, this yeah, is a good day much. to... <laughs> Well, uh, for those who, who don't know who you are, I wonder, just kind of starting from the beginning, uh, I mean, how in the world did you get into this crazy sport of powerlifting? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> well, I got into powerlifting, and I feel like this is probably a common answer for a lot of women. Um, my boyfriend got me mm -hmm. into it. Um, but the reason that I was interested in it and that I agreed to, like, do a meet and try out, like, the training style um, – I was gotten to college. I kind of I missed that structure that being in a sport provided, but I didn't really know an athlete back in high school. I <laughs> sprinted and tracked the hundred and the two hundred. I um, played volleyball. I was obviously where to get it from. So I dated a guy that did bodybuilding, and I kind of like dabbled around in that. I didn't really know anything outside of back row libero because I'm only five foot two. <laughs> so I could not reach the top of the net. Um, mm -hmm. And then I dabbled into like going to the gym. I knew I still kind of subscribed to that, like, don't eat carbs after eight kind of <laughs> mentality. Tennis a little bit. I went to a really small school. So it was kind of like, you know, everybody does everything. Um, but I was really athletic <laughs> right, in school. Right. When I eat, and like, oh, I'm going to eat only half of this burger bun, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. You're cutting out literally every piece of bread you can. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I would like lift and I, I was one of the only friend, one of my only friends that like lifted weights. Like I was like mm -hmm. a strong friend <laughs> and looking back, I was like, Oh man, that was a low bar. Like, <laughs> like I was not strong. y'all. <laughs> um, 
but I, I lived it. I didn't really have any direction. I didn't follow a program. I didn't know what the hell progressive overload was. I didn't know anything. Like I lifted with gloves and mm. that only lasted. Oh man. Yeah, I know. Well, my dad, that's a, that's a dark phase for a lot of people. Yeah. My dad was like, you should get gloves. Be careful not to ruin your hands. And I was like, Oh yeah. And he said the same thing to me when I started powerlifting and I was like, no <laughs> yeah i think i'm done like, with these yeah he was just like a gas he was like oh you're gonna have calluses i was like that's the point <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the point <laughs> yeah um but i i did that for a while in college and then i was in my last year um and i met my current boyfriend we've been together three years in august um and he was kind of the same he lifted weights and he he liked going to the gym but he was like i want i want going to the gym to mean something more. I want to follow a program. I want to have a goal. I want, and and he knew about powerlifting. And so he was going to school at um, Texas A&M University. And I was with him one weekend and there was like this big student fair. And he went to the Texas A&M powerlifting um, club booth and he found it. And he was like, yeah, this is, this is really cool. I want to do this. And he did it for a month. And we were like, we were long distance. I was in a different city and he kept telling me, he's like, I'm having a lot of fun doing this powerlifting thing. Like the workouts are really fun. Like a lot of the girls, um, they're lifting a lot of weight. He's like, they're lifting the same kind of weight that you are in the gym. Cause I was, I was squatting like 225 for 10. Right. And, and my goal is just like, yeah, I want to squat 225 for 15. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I wasn't like, let's go past 225. Right. You're like, I don't want to put more weight than this, but I can do it for a lot. Yeah, that's a classic mindset. Love that. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. And he was like, but look, he's like, what if you try to squat like 245 for eight? And I was like, right. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're onto something. We'll see. And he goes, 20 pounds seems like a lot. I don't know if I want to add that. Yeah. I know. Um, but he, he kind of convinced me to try it. And um, he likes to say he tricked me into like maxing out my squat because he, he was like, look, let me, let me like tell you what to do. Like we'll kind of take some stuff from the programming that AM has me do. That way you can like just try it. It's not, you know, it's not a big commitment. You can just see how it goes. I was like, okay, whatever. And I would go spend every weekend with him. And so we'd work out at the rec center at AM and, you know, he'd be like, okay, do this at the, like this weight. And he was like, okay, a couple weeks later, we're going to max out your squat today. And I was kind of like amped. I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I squatted 295 and just barely missed 315. Mm-hmm. And um, then, like the first time I maxed out my deadlift, I got about—I think I got three oh five. And then a couple weeks later, I got three fifteen. And I was just like, "Okay, when's the next meet? I want to sign up." Yeah, <laughs> like, you got awesome. the taste. You're like, "I got to keep going. I got to keep going." Yeah, and man, my first meet prep was just like a hodgepodge of stuff mm. mixed together. And I look back, and I'm just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but I did. I signed up for my first meet. It was at um. Arlington Strength in um, Texas. The gym's now closed, um, but I'm still really good friends with the own the former owner, Danny uh, Rivera. And I signed up. I went down. Like my entire family came and watched. Like my mom, my dad, my grandmother, my cousins. Everyone was just like, "Oh, what is what is this? This is so cool!" And so, and I did it. And I was probably the most excited and psychotic girl there. <laughs> 
because I like I was like the only one using ammonia like I <laughs> was the only one like screaming after I made a lift like all of the other girls were probably like what the fuck is her book yeah <laughs> Um, but I ended up, I won my weight class and I won best lifter and I was just like, this is amazing. Right. And so here I am like two, two and a half years later and I'm still competing. Um, I went to the Arnold this year for the first time. Um, thankfully still got to go to the Arnold everything considered. I know. Oh man. It was just such a rough time for competition. I know everyone that was prepping was just like, Oh my God, like I hope I get to compete. So did they, you're the first person I've actually talked to who competed at that meet. Did they even have spectators of any kind or was it literally just you on a platform with judges and coaches? So it was, it was really kind of, it was kind of weird. They said they weren't going to allow spectators, um, but they ended up allowing spectators in the sense that like all the other athletes came to watch or maybe like people who had already come and had like, um, like a vendor wristlet, mm-hmm. like they could come like some media team. It was smaller. It was definitely not as big because I had, um, I had friends that were there with me that had competed before and they were like, Oh yeah, this is nothing. Cause apparently like the convention hall is just like packed like shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And it, the convention hall itself wasn't very packed. Like all of the uh, hallways were pretty empty, but I mean, everything considered the um, like the seating in front of the platforms was pretty packed. So it was, it right. felt very energetic, but um, I honestly liked it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is great. <laughs> well, yeah, it's all honestly probably less pressure because it's more of like a local meet. You're like, oh man, like there's some cool energy instead of, wow, there are thousands of people walking around this convention center right now. Mm-hmm. I hope I don't miss my opener squat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, it's just like, uh, I think about like going to, uh, going to the weigh-ins and going to check-ins. And I'm like, if I had to have, like shove my way through just a sea of people, how would I felt like, how would that have impacted my like mm-hmm. mental state differently when I've been more stressed out. And I was just like, this was really fun. And also all things considered, like I, I know like a lot of people, well, I don't know, but I heard that a lot of people chose to drop out of the meet because they were mad that they didn't last spectators or there were sure. other reasons. And I wonder how those people feel. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, and I mean, that was really the last, I mean, meet for like the next like five months. Like they've really only just recently started having competitions back with your masks on. And yeah, yeah, oh my gosh. I think of poor Sean Noriega getting his entire total taken from him because his mask was too long. I mean, it's just, it's a whole whole different world for competitions now than it was, you know, just five months ago. It's crazy. Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely really weird and it's, you know, it's an uncertain time. And I I tell a lot of my clients that because I have quite a few clients that were signed up for a meet and it got canceled. Um, or I have, I have another client competing in a meet next, this upcoming weekend. And she's like, I just hope it doesn't get canceled. I'm like, even if it does, it's not a big deal. Yeah. It's, it's going to okay. be okay. It's going to be fine. There's going to be 500 in the next 12 months. Yeah. I know. I was like, trust me, once, once all of this is done and there's like a vaccine and everything's safe and we can all have meets and go back to our, our normal lives, like. There's going to be an abundance of meats. I promise yes. you. <laughs> it yeah. will be fine. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel so bad for like these intro power lifters that like have just started and they're like, wait, is this yeah. what this is like? And it's like, no, yeah, <laughs> it I, isn't. 
yeah, I have clients that they're like just getting into powerlifting and they're like, well, I really wanted to like, you know, start this year out with a, with a meet, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. This is a rough entry. <laughs> I was like, I know this is this feels weird, but I promise it's not always going to be like this. Just with it. Oh my gosh! Well, and, and I mean, obviously, you've you've gone on to a, a level of prominence in competition, even as I've seen the last couple of years since we first. Now I say prominence. If, if prominence is even the right word, oh wow, oh, you're yeah. really famous. You you've gotten better. I'll say it that way. Over yes. the last few years, I've you know, quite a lot. Yes, um, especially from that first meter, even when I when I first met you. So. I wonder if we go all the way back to that first competition, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting amped up, you're ready to compete. You walk on that platform for the first time, first squat ever in a competition. There's a judge in front of you. I wonder if you can even relive what that very first lift was like on the platform. Oh man, I, I definitely took it too seriously. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm about, about to go out here and squat like 200 some pounds. Woo-hoo, let's go. <laughs> you know, give me, and I, but I was, I wasn't as nervous um, as I thought I would be on the platform because I was definitely a lot more comfortable in like a competition setting or mm-hmm. in a setting where I had a bunch of people watching me because, you know, of volleyball games, track meets, tennis meets, sure. you know, performing on a court, performing um, on the track, having people watch your every move. Um, you know, I've performed at or like competed at like regional competitions um, in volleyball and in tennis. And so <clears throat> it was not as nerve wracking having people watch me compete. Um, but it was still, I, I definitely put too much pressure on myself. And I remember feeling um, very instead of feeling I'm impressed or proud of my accomplishment after my first meet, my first um, reaction and my first thought was, oh, that wasn't good enough. Mm. So I was definitely very hard on myself um, earlier on when I started powerlifting because I compared myself to a lot of other people um, because I, I knew what I was capable of, but I was like, well, I've been doing this for one month, so why can't I do more? You know, right. like, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like it's a very common thing for a lot of newer lifters. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I, if I could go back, I would I'd tell myself like, chill out, take a chill pill. Don't take it too seriously and just have fun and don't be so critical of yourself. Yeah. You know? Um, and I also tried to cut weight mm. first meet, for the first meet. For the oh. first meet. I stopped about three weeks in, like three, three weeks out from the meet. I was like, I don't think this is a good idea. And my boyfriend was like, thank you. <laughs> I feel like this is detrimental to my training. It, it is. Yeah. Cause he's very much like, he knows if, if I have my mindset on something and I want to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm either going to decide on my own, like, Oh, maybe this isn't a good idea or I'm going to find out it's not a good idea after I've done it. Um, but he's never been one to like, tell me like, no, you can't do this or no, you shouldn't do this. Um, which I do appreciate. Um, but about three weeks out, I was like, Oh, this isn't a good idea. So when, when I have clients that are new that come to me and they're like, Oh, I want to cut weight for my first meet. I'm like, don't do yeah. it. <laughs> don't. Yeah, it's, it's not worth it. <laughs> Please don't. It's not that fun. Cause I, um, my first time at raw nationals in 2019, yeah, 2019, um, I had to cut for 63. That was the last, um, meet I, competed in as a 63 kilo lifter and I had just previously done a cut that went 
went really well for the Missouri state meet mm-hmm. in, at the end of May, <clears throat> but it was a lot harder to cut in October. Um, so I had to like sauna. I had to spit. I did like a liquid diet the week of. I saunaed for three and a half hours that morning. Oh, and I, I spit all morning. And I did a lot of things that I don't want to talk about on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so when people are like, oh, I want to cut weight. I'm like, you don't. You don't. It's not fun, <laughs> man. But I, I was like, I, I got this far. I have to do it. Um, but I probably don't ever want to do any of that again. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had a guy. Uh, so obviously I just graduated from Liberty in May and okay. we were prepping for collegiate nationals in April, which obviously didn't happen. Yeah. And so like, you know, we're, we had all qualified, we're getting amped. And there was like one guy left, uh, who was the other, who was the president of the club that was trying to get to qualify two days before the qualification deadline before we all knew like it was going to go down oh because God. he just took forever to sign up. So mm-hmm. we're, we're at this meet um, at my home gym at the shop and t- like five days out, he weighs in, he'd been weighing in at our school gym and he was like, Oh cool. Like I'm just a few pounds over and weighed in at another scale that said he was like 12 pounds over. Oh my God. Uh, five days out from the meet. And I'm like, all right, like this isn't good. So his coach was up in, in Nova and wasn't really being super responsive. So he was like, Moses, you got to help me cut. And I was like, you want to cut 12 pounds in five days? He was like, yeah. I was like, oh my God. So, I mean, I've got this guy water loaded. I mean, it was a nightmare. We get to the night before and he's still like eight pounds over. Like he's still eight pounds over, like 12 hours out from this meet. And when I say this man stayed up the entire night before sitting in the hotel bathroom with like the steam room and everything, he's like spitting. He made weight by like a tenth of a pound. And like the entirety of the meat, I'm like feeding him salt packets <laughs> so that he doesn't like, so, yeah, so he doesn't pass out. Like it was every single lift. I was like, please don't black out. But he, he ended up qualifying and we were so pumped. And then like five days later, they're like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. And I was like, this kid sold his soul to compete at this meet and it's not happening. <laughs> oh my God, that is so bad. But I mean, it was so- <laughs> a lot of, that's a lot of determination right there you know, yeah i i gotta give it to him i was like you know what man like i'm impressed that you did i was like i wouldn't have cut them i would have just given up like i just wouldn't have done that but i was like you know what hey man great work you didn't compete but like but you know what you showed a lot a lot of dedication that a lot of other people wouldn't because when i when i went in i, I went 63 on the dot Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure the lady weighing me and was being gracious. <laughs> yeah, I definitely was over. But oh, yeah, yeah I was I was butt ass naked and there yeah, because I was just you're like, doing literally oh, everything you can. I had a scrunchie and I was like, oh wait 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 wait, and she was just like, <laughs> just kind of like trying not to look at me, but like okay, step on the scale. That's <laughs> awesome. Sorry. She's like, no, I have to. Like, I'm not missing. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. But- oh well, you know, you you mentioned you know your boyfriend's just been so supportive and allowing you just kind of like chart your own path without being like, Hey, like, don't do this, do this, which is great. But a lot of guys aren't like that. And so this is, this is one of my, my favorite topics to to chat about with female lifters from, you know, from charity to like Stacey Burr, you know, there's just a stigma for whatever bizarre reason. There's this stigma around women lifting. You're going to get too big. You're not going to look great anymore. This is a guy's sport. Da, 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 da. You should do this. You should do that. What has been your experience, the positives and the negatives, as far as being a woman in an industry that has really been male dominated and has this kind of misogynistic 
not even undercurrent, overcurrent to it as you kind of moved up and competed? I've I've been pretty lucky that for the most part, my own personal experience has been relatively positive from like close people or people mm-hmm. within like my circle. I've never had to encounter anyone like face to face or one on one that's like challenged me in that way. Like, well, you shouldn't be lifting that. A lot of times it's because if it's been at a gym, I've been lifting more than a guy. So I doubt they'd want to come up. Yeah. <laughs> He's squatting 225. You got 365 in the bar. He's like, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. You're like, like, get under the bar. Squat it. I'll stop, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Usually walk away. (laughs) Um, But I've been, I've been pretty lucky, pretty blessed for the fact that like everyone within my close circle has been really supportive. Um, My dad is a little old school and he used to do like some bodybuilding, powerlifting. So originally when I first started, he was kind of like, now don't, you have to be careful. Don't get too bulky and like, you know, wear some gloves to protect your hands and all this stuff. And I, I kind of sat him down and I was like, look, like I want to do this and I don't need your input on it. I just want your support. And that's it. And it was just like, okay, well, just don't hurt yourself. And then I squatted more than he's ever squatted. I've deadlifted more than he's ever deadlifted. And, awesome. you know, I, and he's like, well, okay, I guess you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he shut his mouth. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but as for negative things, it's usually from men on the internet mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. they can't, it's usually something they would say to me via the internet. They'd never say to me in person, in person, um, because I, you know, I don't know why, like, why don't you, I, I don't, I don't know why I, well, no, I do know why, like the internet provides this sort of like curtain of anonymity and like yeah. feeling of safeness so that they feel comfortable saying terrible things to women or and it's usually like younger men or like people with like those burner accounts Mm -hmm. Um, oh god they're so annoying i (sighs) god if i oh man if there's just an entire group of people i could just wipe out it's those stupid burner accounts it's so annoying anyway go ahead (laughs) i I agree because like i mean well i love the restrict button on instagram yes restrict them so they think that they can still comment but, but no one's seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> but because um, they have no idea they've been restricted yeah. either. They don't know. Because <laughs> if you block them, then they make another one. But if you just mm-hmm. restrict them, golden. It's great. They just they can type all they want. I don't care. Doesn't bother me. <laughs> Everyone else does. <laughs> um, but it's usually from like younger guys or like burner accounts, and it's guys asking, like, well, why are you benching like that? Or like, oh, that's that's too much weight, or um, just trying to like, well, I think you should do this. And I'm like, actually, I'm a personal trainer. I'm studying to become, well, I'm applying to become a physical therapist. So, and then mm-hmm. I explain it to them and then they'll ask me for help. Like I had this one guy one time, he tried to tell me how to do a spoto press. He was like, you mm. should probably come down to your chest. And I was like, well, it's called a spoto press. Um, I don't think Eric's photo wanted me to touch my chest. But I was like, I'm kind of doing it the way I'm supposed to. And he was like, oh, okay, well, do you have any bench tips for me to increase my bench? And I was like, well, first, <laughs> off, first off, I would start with not giving people you don't know on the internet unsolicited advice and also progressive overload is a good tactic to employ. And he, w- and he called me a fucking bitch. Love that. And said I was stupid. Mm. And I was like, okay. 
You're welcome. That, that would have been such a prime opportunity when he said, hey, what what should I do to improve my bench? You go, well, actually, do a spoto press. Don't touch your chest. <laughs> oh, God. I know. And I'm just – I haven't received too much negativity. Like I, you know, I talk about that, but like, that's, it's very tip of the iceberg. Usually I even like, even online, I still have a lot of guys that are pretty supportive. A lot of women also, obviously, because they love to see other women lifting. Um, but it's always, it's more so like creepy comments from weird guys. And I'm just like, sir, please stop. (laughs) What would your daughter say? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I, I, uh, I was chatting with Brianna Terry earlier this season and I, and I asked her the same question that I was like, I've always wondered what the DMS of a female powerlifter look like, like, like the message requests, like what in the world are got, like, I feel like it's a nightmare. Like, I feel like it's just this absolute, just depravity of humanity. I, I don't get it. I just, I really blows my mind. I really don't. I don't understand. Um, I've received, pictures take with take mm. from that with what you will <laughs> yep. yeah viewer discretion yeah. uh they're they're not pictures of houses yeah they're uh, not house pictures and they're <laughs> dog pictures that's for sure <laughs> oh man um but thankfully instagram will like block images so mm-hmm. but i mean i'm like okay well that's fine but i've received like pictures it's usually like sometimes i'll even have guys like send me heart eye emojis and marriage proposals on stories where oh. I'm in it, in it with my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like hugging him or like kissing him. And I'm like, this isn't my brother. Yeah. This isn't like, I don't know where you think you, this is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think you're doing? I guess they just don't care. And they kind of are just like casting as wide a net as possible. And they're like, yeah. the worst they can do is ignore me or say no. And it's like, or you could just not, you could, not that'd be really crazy like there, there's a part of me that's like wow like i have this weird morbid respect for their lack of self like awareness i know of, i was just like wow like i don't think i like i would never do that so i'm like wow like i'm kind of impressed that you have that kind of balls but at the same time like what's wrong with you <laughs> but it's like it's like um i mean you know what i you just don't care. And I guess that's yeah. good. But also like, I, I, I guess that's good. Yeah. Like, please don't do it to me. <laughs> like I can't even imagine, you know, girl these girls similar to, like charity that have, you know, almost three hundred thousand followers, even like one hundred, two hundred, whatever, just just inundated with tons of DMs like that. And it's just like, dude, no. Well, and it, and it, it makes my job like when I'm doing the podcast, I always like feel like I'm walking on eggshells because I'm like, how can I ask this person to be on the podcast without being a weird dude in the DMs? <laughs> and so like, and I'm like, damn it, guys, you guys are screwing my opportunity for this podcast because these girls are like, oh, it's another dude. So yeah, fortunately, I haven't had to. I know, or even like men asking for coaching. Yes, like because I've gotten that before too, and I have to like cipher through like, okay, is this. Or, or I've gotten men asking for coaching and they're not really wanting coaching. They're just like, mm. hey, do you offer personal training? And I'm like, no. Classic. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, do you do one-on-one personal training? No, I don't. No, I don't. But it says in your bio, yeah, that's a lie. <laughs> yeah. I lied to you. I only do it with women. Uh, yeah, they're the only right. ones I'll let you come into the store. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, but I mean, it does make it hard because I've had legitimate requests from yeah. male um, lifters. And it's kind of like, I have to cipher through like, is this guy being serious or is it not being serious? And so it's just, it's annoying, but I think it's just, I hate to say like, it's just part of the job, 
because it shouldn't be. Um, but it, it comes with it. And, you know, you just have to take it with a grain of salt. And the block button is your best friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It's true. It's true. Oh, yeah. It's the, it's the part of the fitness industry I don't envy. And fortunately, I don't really have to deal with too much. Now, but like every once in a while, I'll get like the, you know, the uh, the single mom or the middle-aged yes. woman. She's like, oh, my gosh, wow, you're so cute. And I'm like, your son's the same age as me. Like, <laughs> don't do not do this. Okay. Don't do this to yourself. You don't want this. Ma'am, please stop. <laughs> oh, man. Well, <laughs> moving off of that that topic, you know, I, I kind of stumbled across as I, every time – I have a guest on. I always feel weird because I like deep stalk everyone. I'm yeah. like, I got to find something that they're not going to expect me to ask. Man. Yeah, I have to do my research. I told my uncle yesterday, I was like, man, like, I feel like I know more about all these athletes than I should. <laughs> like, I feel like I've learned their childhoods that I should. But um, I stumbled across, you know, you appear to be a bit of a, a gamer. That, oh, that you're, in, you're into your video games, which I wasn't expecting. So I wonder how... What's the go-to for you? How did that start playing into everything? I think that's one of the least expected things about me. Um, when people find that out, um, men and women are just like, oh my God, you play video games? I'm like, I have for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I actually originally, when I was a lot younger, I wanted to be um, a comic book illustrator. Um, I have a degree in fine arts. Um, <laughs> look at me using it. <laughs> <laughs> all us liberal arts majors, like, wow, we didn't use that at all. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I use it occasionally to make stuff on, um, like, Photoshop or to, like, draw things. But um, definitely, <laughs> you know. Um, but the reason I went into arts was because I was in- interested in being a comic book illustrator and then kind of shifted a little bit towards, like, video game design. Um, and I did like character design just like on my own for fun when I was a lot younger. Um, I did a lot of digital artwork. Um, and I've just always really liked playing video games because I, I, I'm an only child and, um, I grew up in a really small town. You know, the nearest grocery store was like 30, 40 minutes away. Um, and my school was a 20 minute drive. Mm. So very rural area, not much to do. And in Texas, like during the summer when you're out of school, it's hot as balls outside. Like it's sweltering. So it's 12, you know, I'm like, I'm not going outside. Hell no, I'm not playing out there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like I don't want to die. So um, I played a lot of video games when I was younger because I didn't have any siblings. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just, I just really liked it. I really liked sort of being able to, like escape from I don't want to say the real world, but it just kind of like create your own sort of experience. And I'm really drawn to like role playing games or like open world games. I've never really been a fan of like like I like Call of Duty or like Halo and things like that, but I've never been a huge fan because there is like a set path that you have sure. to follow and there's a set storyline. Um so I really always gravitated towards games more like um, like Fallout or um, Skyrim. Right now I'm really into Witcher. Um, and I just liked it because I could sit there, I could play, I could turn my mind off. I could sort of go into like this other world and create like an experience outside mm-hmm. of what I was experiencing um, as a child because I also struggled um, – I was the only child and I struggled a lot with anxiety and depression, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. 
Because when you're a kid, you don't you don't understand what these feelings are. You're no. just like, oh, I don't feel great, and I don't feel good. I don't want to talk to my parents about it. I don't want to talk to anyone about it. And so it was just kind of like a way for me to escape. And I loved the artwork and the detail, the attention to detail that went into games like Skyrim, like Fallout, like Witcher. And I just really appreciated the artistry behind it. And so I loved playing. I love, still love playing games like that because I just, mm-hmm. I, I find, I just, I, I appreciate the um, graphic design portion of it a lot. Yeah. Well, it definitely sounds like you're attracted to the Bethesda studio oh, a lot them. as well. Yeah. So I, uh, <clears throat> I, my roommate in college, I lived with three of the four years is a big, big Skyrim fan. Mm. And I just like missed the curve. Like I just didn't get into it when everyone got super hype about it. Oh, and so the first, the first Bethesda game I played was fallout four. Mm-hmm. And so, which like also great game, mm-hmm. but because I was used to the engine of a newer game, he then was like, Moses, just try Skyrim. So during quarantine, I was like, Oh my God, fine. So I bought Skyrim, but like, even though it's a great game, I'm like, I see all of the problems in Skyrim that they fixed in a later game. And yeah. it pissed me off too much. I was like, I can't do it. I was like, I know what you fixed to do this. So I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I felt so bad for him. Cause he was like, Moses, it's so good. I was like, I can't get over it. I can't do it. Where's my gun? Why don't I have a gun? <laughs> Fair. Oh Fair. man. But I'm the, I'm the exact same way. Uh, I'm very, <clears throat> I'm very similar. The whole RPG thing is, is my go-to. I just never got into the whole single lane. You have to go do this. It was either going to be like the sprawling, like Assassin's Creed or like I've been oh, grinding yeah. on Far Cry recently. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we'll talk Assassin's Creed here for a second. So Valhalla is coming out. I know they completely changed what Assassin's Creed looks like a couple games ago. How did you yeah. feel on the switch from our black flag style to this crazy new, now it just kind of feels like a for honor kind of style game. Um, so the last Assassin's Creed um, game I played was, um, I don't think it was Liberty. It was, um, oh, what's the, the Assassin's Creed game that's based like in the colonial times? Um, uh, Assassin's Creed 3. Yes. So yeah, yeah. Uh, posts like Ezio and um, Altair and things like that. Um mm-hmm. And I played that, and then I kind of fell off the Assassin's Creed wagon because um, Black Flag came out on. I played I played that a couple times, but it came out on the newest PlayStation, I believe, and I still had the older mm-hmm. one. My parents yeah. my parents wouldn't buy me a new one. <laughs> Love that. That's a classic story of my life. Yeah. I was like, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would go over to my friend's house. She got a new one, so I go over to my friend's house and um, I'd play it a little bit on her PlayStation, and it was fun. Um, but I haven't kept up too much with it. Recently, I did, however, see that with um, Valhalla, they are making a male and female player mm-hmm. um, for the game. And I really, I liked that. I thought that that was really cool because, you know, there are females that play Assassin's Creed, you know, right. contrary to oh, many of the male yes. in the comments beliefs, <laughs> you know. Um, but I liked that they we're doing that so that like the individual game player could sort of craft a more um, personalized Mm -hmm. storyline so they could identify with the player a bit more. Uh, But I'm not too familiar with what's going on um, in the way of switching sort of the game experience, I guess, because I fell off right at black flag, but it was also because I didn't, I didn't feel as 
drawn into it because I really, really liked the storyline and the gameplay with um, Ezio, especially. I didn't play the first one. I went back and played it later. Um, mm-hmm. I a feel for it with um, Altair, I think. I think mm-hmm. I yeah, um, yeah. And it was okay, but I really loved the gameplay and the storyline um, with Ezio and the two games uh, involving him because it just felt it felt natural. It felt like it was how the game was supposed to be. Um, and then in Assassin's Creed 3, it was okay. But I think that's when they started making the switch more towards um, the whole like For Honor style. Yeah. And 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 I, I, I bought it because I loved um, the previous Assassin's Creed games. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to keep buying it because I like it. But I, I definitely lost interest after that because yeah. I was just like, mm, I'm not, not a huge fan of the gameplay anymore. It felt a little bit more playthroughy. Yes. So it's just, it's a different game. Like back yeah. when like Brotherhood came out, everyone was like, holy smoke, like this is the best thing that's ever happened. And it was incredible. Yeah, it was. Like it was just, it really, it was just so perfectly put together. And it's just increasingly become more just like, hey, let's pick a random location, yeah. give a dude a hidden blade and say it's Assassin's Creed. And that's it. Like, go yeah. kill everyone. Con- like, like when Odyssey came out, don't get me wrong. I mean, I burned 80 hours into that thing so fast. But like, so any, if, if for whatever reason Ubisoft's listening to this and wants to sponsor me, I'll oh take it. But yeah, <laughs> but it's just, it's just a different game. Um, so I know there's a lot of people that got just, yeah, disinterested. But anyway, but that's just, it's just a fun facet that I think even as I've, kind of created this podcast if it's the stuff like that that people don't realize about lifters that they're more than just oh this was an rpe8 or this was more than i went six for nine could have had a better day like more than that is happening you know that there is there's there's people with lives and jobs and hobbies and brand new puppies that they've had for a week there's just there's stuff like that (laughs) um well so uh, another thing I know <clears throat> you're pretty big on is, is this body positivity movement of um, allowing men and women to feel comfortable in their skins. Um, now, I, I've kind of chatted with this topic with a few different people before, uh, kind of with varying answers um, that, in, in my opinion, I feel like there can be a limit to that where it's it goes beyond accepting yourself and loving yourself to the point of like, okay, maybe you're killing yourself for the way that you're living. So I wonder just for you, you know, what is kind of your opinion on kind of this body positivity movement? Is there a limit to where it's it's not healthy anymore? Or is it just really, hey, love yourself and don't let other people drag you down? I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on all that. Yeah, so um, I think that it's a very fine line to walk because I always try, no matter what my personal feelings are, I try to keep in mind that um, People that we may talk about, um, you know, on either side of the spectrum, like body positive, not body positive, whoever that is, like they're a person with feelings mm-hmm. and with dreams, aspirations, a life. Um, and so I always try to keep that in mind. Uh, that being said, I, I do feel like there is a slight limit, but I think that that limit only lies within that limit starts when your health becomes negatively impacted because I also believe like how there's, there's health looks different on everybody. You know, I'm sure people thought it was extremely healthy when I was 63 kilos and constantly in a calorie deficit and fatigued, tired, injured all the time, angry, um, you know, not having a menstrual cycle. Like, I'm sure people thought like, wow, she's got ripped abs. She's probably super healthy. I wasn't. Um, yeah. and so 
you know, it can go both ways. Like just because you're super skinny and have abs doesn't mean you're healthy. And, mm-hmm. um, but just because you have a higher body fat percentage doesn't mean you're unhealthy. Um, so I think that there are limits, but the limit, like I said, the limit is just when your health is negatively impacted. Um, the thing that I really, really like to, I don't want to say preach. Um, the sure. thing that I really like. I'll to, let you preach. You can <laughs> preach. It's a Sunday or at church. Okay. Home. Yeah. The thing that, um, that I like to focus on, the thing I like to focus on most mm-hmm. when I share on my page is um, that your body is not an instrument. Uh, sorry, your body's not an ornament. Your body is an instrument. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good. We're human. Of course, we want to look good. Like, and any anybody that says, like, oh, I don't care, like, they're just covering up. Like, oh, there are days when I, I'm like, oh, I don't like the way I look. But that's that's natural. That's going to that's gonna happen. Um, but I think that feeling positively about your body and, and loving your body doesn't always mean that you believe it looks good it just means that you know your body is good regardless of how it looks and it means that you want to treat your body well um because it carries you through life and because it allows you to do amazing things like powerlifting strongman olympic lifting taking walks with your grandkids picking your grandkids up like having dinner with your family, going on a date with somebody, taking your dog on a walk. And I just really try to focus on that sense because that helped me a lot because I struggled with an undiagnosed eating disorder when I was a lot younger and a little bit into um, my early adulthood. I guess I guess I'm technically an adult. I don't feel like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I hate, I hate yeah, we're in our 20s. We're like, no, I'm not an adult. Please, I know. I'm like, oh, like, I'm not an adult. <laughs> yeah, I'm still a kid, kind of, but treat me like an adult. You know? I know. Yeah. Um, but I guess into slight, slight early adulthood um, and into the beginning of college of my undergrad, um, because I was so focused on – I need to look a certain way to meet like a minimum worth requirement, you know, mm-hmm. like if I don't look a certain way, then I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm not, I'm not good looking. I'm not this, I'm not that. And so switching my focus more so to focusing on what my body can do and what it's capable of and focusing on the fact that like my body is like a vessel through which I live my life, switching to that focus versus thinking about how can I make myself look better has helped a lot in the long run. Like, don't get me wrong, there are still days that I struggle now. Like, there, I, I think that's a common misconception is that people think, like, as soon as you sort of switch to this more um, body positive, health positive um, ideal or way of thinking, that like oh it's just a switch like I just always feel great about my body <laughs> like no yeah <laughs> there are definitely bad days um, but it's just it's just similar to training like it's just about having more consistent and more consistently better days than bad days mm-hmm. and just always continuing to work on it um, like throughout your life um, so yeah yeah. Yeah, no, and, and that's a good word, uh, and I, I definitely think I would agree with that because there is, 
and I think even as social media has risen into more prominence, and I mean, obviously, powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, strongman is such a social media driven sport. Like we're posting our training, and that's like the running joke. People are like, "Why do you post? Why are you always recording yourself? Like, just work out without posting." I'm work like, out. "Shut up! Like, let me post this." I mean, like, yeah, like let, let me live. And and so I've had to explain to people time and time again. Cause they're like, is this a vanity thing? Like, are you, I'm like, I am obsessed with myself. Don't get me wrong. Like, of course I am, <laughs> but I'm like, it'd be the equivalent of watching uh, football um, drills back. It'd be equivalent of watching tapes and everything. I'm like, it's the same thing. We're watching and we're breaking down our movements because mm-hmm. I'm like, honestly, sure. I could post me squatting 500 and being like, wow, this is pretty cool. And some people will watch it once. Maybe they'll watch it twice. If they hate me, they might watch it three times to comment something mean. I'm like, I'm the one watching it 150 times over the next six months. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, I'm just trying to streamline how I can watch myself so that I can hate how I lift. <laughs> pretty much. Like, I know, like, I'll post, I, I've, I've gotten to where I post less lifting related things. Um, and I'm trying to open it more up to, like, my life and sharing that. Um. But even when I post stuff, I'm like, I don't know why these people are watching it because I'm probably sitting here watching it more. Like I'll, I'll like go slow mo through it and be like, oh, I messed up there, oh, I messed up there. And yeah, you're like breaking it down frame by frame. You're like, oh, my hips shot up. Damn it! And it's like no one's noticing this. <laughs> like I'll post it. I'll post it. People are like, wow, this is great. I'm like, well, actually, I noticed this one thing. I shifted, you know, like a centimeter to the left. And <laughs> you oh, are your God. own worst critic. Most relatable comment I've ever heard in my life. Oh yeah, I shifted one centimeter and it pisses me off. Yeah. Like I put up a I put up a lift recently, like some deadlift, and yeah. I called it, I called it an eight. And literally everyone that I know like DM me, they're like, stop, it's not an eight, it's a six. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, look, I did no. da, 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 da. They were like, shut up, Moses. <laughs> I was like, I don't. But you know, in that, I mean, I think there's an element, because I mean, obviously there's the we're our own worst critic in a positive way, which is good. Obviously, there's the good side of wanting to to break it down, be 1% better. Mm-hmm. But there is also that same parallel in continuing to compare ourselves with every single person under the sun. Um, and there has been, as the social media influence has grown, for just a lot of mental health issues have been brought more to the forefront than they probably would have been 5, 10, 15 years ago. Because I mean, when we were growing up, no one really talked about it. Like it wasn't a thing. And I remember like every once in a while there'd be a sermon on anxiety or something at church. And I'd be like, who cares? Like, this isn't a thing. Like anxiety. (laughs) Stop being sad. Like that's literally like 12. My mom's like, like, this is so good, honey. I'm like, no, it isn't. Just stop crying and move on. Like, I don't understand. Take me to get lunch. Like, it was just like this super, like (laughs) get over it, mom. You know, there's that kind of thing. But it's like, as as social media and people's lives are coming more public, because I think especially as we build platforms with, with fitness, almost every facet of our life seems like it's just under a microscope. Oh, yeah. And it's bringing those issues to being like, oh, maybe saying don't be sad isn't effective because that's not how that works. you know. So, But I know you've been a big advocate for mental health and you even shared a little bit that that's been a, a struggle of yours as well. How is that and even your journey into – finding ways to cope and move on, not move on because that's not how that works either, but cope and deal with it. How has that played into your training, even your style of coaching, um, especially these women and guys that you're working with? Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, first off, I think that the way it's played into my coaching aspect is I, I like to, I'll toot my own horn a little bit. Um, I, I like to consider myself a much more empathetic coach 
than probably sure. a lot of other powerlifting coaches are. Um, you know, I really do care about not only how, and I tell all of my clients this, like I care about not only how you do in the gym and how you do on the platform, but I care about how you're doing mentally and, you know, how you're doing in your life because I want my coaching and I want my programming to add to your life. I don't want it to devalue your life or, or take away from your life, you know, and, and there have been times where, you know, some of my clients are like, I just really don't feel well. I don't, I don't feel like I'm doing a good job and, and, you know, I've had hard hearts with them and I'm like, look, like sometimes it's really hard and it's okay if you need, if you need a couple of days off, that's fine. If you're having a bad mental health day, that's cool. Go in the gym, maybe like just do your accessory work today, go in for 30 minutes, go take a walk or, you know, ha- I've suggested some clients that say that they feel really overwhelmed, especially with everything going on right now. Um, like maybe you should try journaling, meditation, things like that. Um, and I just, I try to care not only about my clients' physical health, but also their mental health because that plays hand in hand. Um, and I mean, at least it has for me personally, because there are definitely, there are definitely still days when um, maybe mentally I just don't feel good. Like I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything I am like why am I even training like it's this is stupid and like I don't know why I keep beating myself up or like what what's the point of working out like and um especially because like you know for a while like there are no meets coming up and now now I've gotten to a point where I'm like I don't give a shit man this is great I get a great (laughs) off season (laughs) um but there are definitely times when it's like I've, I've had to leave the gym because I went in and I just, I wasn't having a good day mentally and I kind of just ignored it. And I went in and I tried to force a workout and, and it would just went horribly. And, you know, I may have some, sometimes I've, I've like warmed up and I've been like, I have to go home. I can't, I need to go home. And, um, and I go home and I take my medication and I go to bed and the next day I feel great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it definitely plays a huge part. And, um, you know, I, I don't, like you said, like that whole kind of like people like, Oh, just don't be sad. I I'm glad that that is no longer the narrative like surrounding mental health and that more people are realizing that it's not something that you can just like turn off. Um, because sometimes I feel, I feel guilty about, Mm -hmm feeling sad or feeling anxious or having a panic attack or sometimes I feel bad. I'm like, why do I feel this way? Like my life is not bad. Like I have a great partner. We have a great dog now. (laughs) Um, You know, like my business is doing well, like he's doing well in his job. Like I'm applying to grad school. This is a dream that I've wanted to do. Like I spent the last two years of my life, like preparing for this and I'm like, things are going well. Like there are still days when I'm, I just feel like the world is ending and worthless and I just want to lay in bed. And some, some days I do that because that's what I need. Um, but I feel guilty sometimes, you know, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, especially like, you know, people will say it's like, Oh, like mental health is a silent killer. And I mean, it really is because it doesn't discriminate. It, It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you live in a four hundred thousand dollar home or if you live in a forty thousand dollar home. It, it doesn't matter if 
you have one kid, five kids, doesn't matter if you have a husband or not, if you have a wife or not, or a partner or not, whatever, it doesn't matter. It can impact anybody at any time. Um, and I think that it's great to talk more openly about it because the more that people with like, we'll say like platforms on social media talk about it, I feel like the more people can realize like, Oh, like I'm not alone. Like this happens to more people because it's hard to realize that when, when you're in that moment, like when, when I'm having a panic attack, when I'm like feeling um, really depressed, when I'm feeling really anxious in that moment, it's kind of hard to realize out to, to realize anything outside of myself. Yeah. I'm just so consumed. It was like, very tight knit. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, you're just so like, this is happening to me right now. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it's, it's easy to forget that, Oh, you're not alone. Like this is something a lot of other people feel and it's, it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just matters that you get help and you find coping skill. You find things that help you cope. You find, um, like for me, like a schedule really helps me a lot. Like being on a schedule and sticking to a schedule. Like when I get off of a schedule, I feel less in control and I feel more anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I was saying, I feel like the social media aspect of it and like more people with platform sharing has really helped. At least I, I feel like it. I get a lot of positive responses from people, um, which I'm really glad I do because I don't, I'm not sharing it for like, oh, feel bad for me. I'm sharing it because I want other people to know that this happens and and it's it's not a bad thing like it can feel bad and it kind of sucks but it's okay and you can get through it you know yeah Yeah. that's a good word because it is it's it's easy in the moment to feel as if you are the only person in the world and the world has collapsed around you and this is it you're like wow holy shit like i guess (laughs) i'm just gonna die and you're like you're like, well, no, like I'm just sitting in my room. Like, I don't think that that's not what's going to happen, you know? And so it is of sharing that and seeing, I know even for a lot of people who are, you know, may have those smaller accounts, they're not posting they're just for fear of what the judgment is. If they post anything and they're following bigger pages, that seeing p- people with bigger platforms, be honest about that same thing, that humanistic thing that we're doing with this podcast of, oh, wow. Like just because they have a big following doesn't mean that they're not human. You know, it's even like someone like Dwayne Johnson, who's got, you know, a hundred something million followers. Yeah. If he, if he says something like, Hey man, like I've really been having a rough day. People are like, what? But you're what? Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. And it's like, yes, <laughs> it doesn't change anything. Like I was born crying into this world, like a little naked baby and I'm going to die at some point. Like we're all, nothing has changed. It just means they've managed to capitalize on something. So I think it's, it's an important conversation and I'm glad it's one that's coming more to the forefront because it is, especially in a time in which we've been pretty much locked in our houses for like half a year. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, I think it's come to the forefront of a lot of people's minds of like, wow, like what's my job security look like? What does training look like for me? Graduation's gone. So, and so sick, you know, there's just a lot of turmoil mm-hmm. that to be like, Hey, we're all in, we're all going through it. We're all figuring it out. And I think that's just, it's a good mindset to have. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty in life right now. I feel like for a lot of people. Um, and so it's only natural to feel anxious or to feel unsure of things. Um, 
And so I think that I've, I've seen like a lot of stuff since, um, you know, the pandemic started. I've seen a lot of stuff on social media where people have been more open, more vulnerable. And I think it's good because it it's still allowing us to connect, even though we are living in an age where we are not as physically connected to people for, for reasons of safety. Um, but it's it's good. I like it. And so I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> so kind of piggybacking off of that on the back end of the interview, um, I kind of asked the same couple questions. Um, obviously, the name of the podcast is Faith, Fitness, and French Toast. Everyone I have on, we can talk about fitness for forever. Um, but I was like, man, like, what are some ways I can really make this thing stand out from the other thousands of podcasts that people yeah. are coming out with? Because I swear, like, oh my gosh, every 18-year-old college is like, hey, let me start a podcast. <laughs> like, why not? And they made like two episodes. They're like, wow, like, this is kind of no one. Why is no one listening to it? And I'm like, well, you didn't say anything like this. Like, you know? So as, as I was creating it, I wanted to create something that allowed more conversation to happen outside of just fitness. Um, and so the running joke was for French toast. I never brought up food for the first two seasons. Like at no point did it ever come up in any of the interviews and anything I said, and people started DMing me. They were like, yo, like, why do you never talk about food? And I'm like, Oh, Oh, so I always make a point of asking this. I'll get to that one here in a second. Okay. But um, but the other question I just love asking people is this faith question because it, increasingly, even though it's a time in which we're very connected and people are talking about stuff, I still feel like this faith, religion, spirituality topic is like taboo for a lot of people. They're like, oh my God, like I don't want to – I want to offend someone by saying that I'm blank. And I'm like, oh, just share it. Uh, because for me, I'm very much someone who believes that regardless of what your stance is, you've got something positive to offer the world. Yeah. And, you know, as, as we move into a very polarized political climate, social climate where everyone's like, wow, you disagree with me. You're a piece of shit. Like, I yeah. hate you. And I'm like, no, like, please don't, <laughs> don't do that. So, um, so what I really love asking, um, athletes, my guests is what role, if any, has your own personal faith or view of spirituality, religion, whatever played into your own training or even your worldview and how you view yourself? Um, yeah. So I, I grew up in a pretty kind of like traditionally Southern Baptist, um, uh, had a pretty traditional Southern, uh, uh Baptist upbringing, Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up going to um, like a typical Christian church. Um, I'd go every sun, every other Sunday. Um, kind of like my mom went a lot more. I go on Wednesdays with her. Like I sang in choir. Um, my mom still sings in the choir at that church. Um, but as I got older, I felt like I drifted away from just religion in general. Sure. Um, because I just found myself kind of like at odds, I would see, and I mean, this is, you'll see this with any religion, you'll see this with anything, anybody, but you know, I'd see people go to church on Sunday and say one thing. And then the next day I'd see them do another thing or, or they even be like hateful to me. And I was just yeah. like, this is not right. Yeah. So I found myself once I got into college and was able to study like more world religions because as an art, I started as an art history major. So in studying art history, I got to study different religions and um, the art that came along with that religion. Um, so I, I found myself drifting away from just religion in general. And, and for a while, I kind of just was like doing my thing, didn't really care about anything. 
but I've, I've found that the older I've gotten, the more spiritual I feel. So not necessarily religious, but just try, I, I try to live my life more like connected to mm-hmm. the people around me, connected to my surroundings. Um, and just treat people with kindness because it's just the right thing to do. Not, not because someone tells me it's what to do. Not because, um, I think that I'm going to be rewarded for my kindness, but just to do it because it's the right thing to do. And, and I know what it's like to be treated not so kindly. Yeah. And, and so I just, I feel like my, I don't, I don't really know what I identify as. I, I feel like sure. it's just kind of, I just consider myself a pretty spiritual person. Um, and I just try to live my life the best way, the way that I think is beneficial, good, and adds like a net positive to the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and I mean, in a, in a world in which there, there is so, and we, I mean, we've seen it forefront even in the last couple of months mm-hmm. uh, you know the black lives matter movement kind of rising up in the midst of george floyd's murder and breonna taylor's and all this other stuff like we've seen so much hate I know. just blasted in front of us it's like how much more revolutionary would the world be if all of us just decide to treat other people as much as we'd want to be treated you know like even like with online instagram dms comment like Holy smokes. Like if you just treated people positive, like who cares what religion you are now? Obviously I'm a Christian. So I'm gonna say, Oh yeah. But like at the end of the day, like just don't be a dick. Like that's literally what Ed Cohen's like motto was for the entirety of the episode. He was like, just don't be a dick. And it's like, how hard, like, why is it such a hard thing for people to just be a nice person instead of hating everyone and assuming they're out to get you, you know? I know. And I think that maybe, Maybe it's because people fear things that are either not what they know or fear something that may be different from how they live their life. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that fear or that feeling of uncertainty and unknowing, kind of just that that anger is the first reaction that people have. Yeah. And, and, you know, hate is not inherent in people. It's taught. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I don't hate people. I'm perfect. Like, sure. yeah, of course I get angry at people. Of course I feel, I feel those emotions towards people, but I really try to sit back and think like, okay, like, why are you angry? And if you're angry, should you maybe instead try to think from their perspective and, or maybe instead try to do something that's helpful. Um, but, but I, I really think that it boils down to people are just scared. People are scared. And so they act out angrily. Um, and I feel like if people would just step beyond that initial feeling of either uncertainty or, or feeling scared and try to understand someone else and try to step, like live through their lives, live in their shoes and feel what they're feeling and listen to other people then we would have much less hate in the world. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, you know, and, and this is kind of the last thing I'll say on this, we'll move on. But, mm-hmm. you know, even as I started interviewing people, you know, there was this kind of stigma of me just being like, hey, like, I promise, like, I'm not going to judge you for whatever your answer is going to be. Because everyone's like, I'm not a Christian. 
And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, that's not why I'm at. Like, it's okay. Like, I just want to be like, yo, like low key. Like, I want to warn you, like, I'm kind of a Satanist. And I was like, I don't care. Like, it's okay. Just like answer the question. Um, Because there is, there, there is this mindset, especially, I mean, you probably understand it better than most growing up Southern Baptist. Mm. Like I was born in Tennessee. So I grew up in the Methodist church down there. I mean, it was just, it's the Bible belt that there is, there's this faux kindness that isn't real of just southern hospitality man people are like oh you texas people are so sweet i'm like yeah literally they'd be like oh my god you look so cute as soon as you turn around you see that bitch like it's just like what (laughs) (laughs) like it's just the immediate (laughs) oh my gosh so it's like seeing that it's like i'm even having to battle that stigma of like reminding me, I'm like, that's not what Christianity is. Like, that's not like, that's what religion is as we saw in Rome, as we've seen in every major, um, you know, country and empire of like the danger of combining religion and state, because that's not how that works. But it is, it's, it's a conversation I feel like not enough people are having and just being like, Hey, like, it's okay to believe what you believe, like be a good person. Like <laughs> just don't be a dick is the bottom of what we're getting to. But Anyway, so, well, so my favorite question to ask people is this breakfast question. I'm a huge foodie. I literally saw yesterday you post a picture of your breakfast. I was like, she's going to be fired up for this. Oh, yeah. so, I, so I'm the type of person, I keep breakfast any time of day. Don't care. Like, I'm all about it. Mm. What is the go-to breakfast food for you and why is it the go-to? Okay. <clears throat> well, so – my normal go-to breakfast is usually like an omelet and like raisin, cinnamon raisin French, like not French toast, cinnamon raisin bread. Just because it's like quick, it's easy. But I'm gonna let you know my all-time favorite breakfast ever in the world. I'd expect yeah. nothing less. Yeah, my all-time favorite breakfast comes from this place called Vickery Cafe in Fort Worth, Texas. All right, and it was actually the inspiration for a recipe that's in um, my recipe book on my website. Um, I made like a a lighter version of it, but it is a French toast Monte Cristo. And so they use like the uh, challah bread, like they're, I I may be saying it wrong. Um, Who does? They'll they'll find it. They'll look it up. I may be saying it wrong, but they use like thick sliced um, challah bread and it's dipped in like this egg custard mix and they make French toast out of it and they put Swiss cheese on it and fried ham and a fried egg and fried like hickory smoked bacon and they serve it with a side of raspberry chipotle jelly and it is the best thing ever. Like I'm just like salivating thinking about it right now. And um, every time we go back home to Texas, we go to Vickery and we go eat breakfast there and we get that and like, we'll split it and we'll also get an omelet. And the waitress looks at us like, y'all going to eat all this food? I was like, (laughs) 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 Um, but we loved it so much that I made my own version of it and put it in a recipe book because I'd made it so many times for my boyfriend because he's Mm -hmm. like, and because he's also, uh, he's like type one diabetic. So after he would eat that there, he knocked out the rest of the day, you know? So yeah. <laughs> how can we make this a more enjoyable experience? Uh, right. But I have my absolute all-time favorite breakfast ever, and I love it. And if anybody ever is in Fort Worth, Texas, go to Vickery Cafe, get the French Toast Monte Cristo. You will not regret it. 
That's awesome. Well, I always I mock everyone that says French toast. I just say they're pandering to the episode, but it sounds like there's a greater recipe behind it. So I'll give you that one. <laughs> uh, everyone else will be like, oh, it's French toast. I'm like, shut up. Like, no, it isn't. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's a, that's a good answer. I've gotten such a wide spectrum. Like, it, it is crazy because when we think breakfast, most people just think like, oh, like eggs, bacon. To, like, it's just like the basic stuff. I've gotten the most exotic answers where I'm like, wow, like, how are y'all coming up with this? You know, if you're like, oh, I like crepes from blank play, like Garrett Fierce. And I just really, really like the specific type of crepe. And I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, why do you have this weird answer? <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, you know, as you as you think about, you know, what's next for you, you know, moving on, obviously, you're, you're launching businesses, you're looking at going into a physical therapy. I mean, you've got a ton of stuff in the works. What can people, you know, just be expecting even from you in the next six months, year and in the future? Yeah. So um, I recently just went um, full-time self-employed. I was working part-time as um, a personal trainer and uh, coach in person and while also running um, kind of like starting up my own online coaching business. And because of everything going on, I decided like, well, not that safe to return to like a large commercialized style gym. Um, and my own coaching business started really taking off. So I'm doing one-on-one um, -on -one coaching uh, for strength and powerlifting specific training right now. Um, I am open offering that. I'm hoping to in the future um, offer some more just like structured um, programs like ready. So I won't say ready-made, but programs that maybe people who aren't necessarily ready to um, take the step into like one-on-one -on -one coaching so that they can have like, a taste of what my programming would look like um, and offer more things like that for people. Also, um, I'm applying to, like I, I think I said this earlier, I'm applying to a uh, doctor of physical therapy school currently right now. <laughs> it is an application process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm applying right now for 2021 admissions. I'm hoping to start um, knock on wood, um, hoping to start next summer. And, um, eventually I'd really like to translate getting that. It's a, it's a three-year degree. So I'd be in school for three years. Um, I'd eventually like to translate getting that degree into opening my own business, um, and having, um, my own practice offering maybe PT online offering maybe, um, sort of like mobility programming, things like that. Kind of similar to um, like Kelly does it with the Ready State. He does like a great job. Um, Aaron, Squat University, he does a fantastic job at putting um, information out. I actually have seen him for physical therapy. Aaron's a great guy. Um, so lean more into that and, and use, if Instagram's still a thing, um, use that knowledge from school and use that to help people on a larger platform than I would be able to just with my own business. Mm. But, I, but I know that even if I work for somebody um, out the, out the gate and um, ha I'm employed by someone, I know that eventually like my long-term goal is to be self-employed and employ myself on my own business because I always, always do better when I'm employed by myself. I, I don't know what it is. I just, from a young age, have always just liked to be my own boss. Um, like when I was younger, I started like a jewelry business. And yeah, I was like in high school and all these moms were like wanting jewelry for like the basketball games that was like personalized and stuff. And I was like, I can do that. And <laughs> I like started my own like cake business. And I mean, obviously I was a lot younger, so I didn't have, I wasn't very business savvy, so they didn't last long. 
but I just, I liked being in charge and being my own boss and setting my schedule and not having, not having to answer to anybody but myself. And there's drawbacks to that, but, um, ultimately that's my goal is to be self-employed to employ, um, my boyfriend to maybe employ some of my family members as well. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, last thing I got for you, um, obviously you've got clients who are hopefully, I mean, fingers crossed on this meet next weekend. Um, you know, you've got people prepping for competitions, but even outside of your own like direct sphere of influence, I mean, you've got, you know, platform 19,000 followers or so. What is your advice to those, you know, listen in and, and just trying to get back on the horse? Um, because it has been, I feel like I've asked this question to everyone in the last three months because we keep thinking it's like the end. Yeah. So we're like, oh, it's, it's almost time. And so it's like, we're going to assume this is it. Like it's finally reopening. You know, what is your advice to people who are hopefully fingers crossed, jumping back in, getting back to work, getting back to school, et cetera, as we move into August? I would just say to one Live your life with patience right now, especially right now. I know it is so hard. It's hard for myself. Like I, there are days when I'm like, man, I really wish, I wish I could go outside, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, yeah. but it's, it, it sucks, you know, but I, I always try to think about like, well, I know it sucks, but this is something that everybody's going through and um, it's, it's scary, especially I'm sure a lot of parents are scared having to send their kids back to school if they don't have a choice. You know, if they're not offered the opportunity for online learning or maybe some people want to compete in a meet, um, but they're scared to, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, maybe it, it's just there, there's a lot, like I said before, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And so my biggest advice for people would just to be patient and to do, do what's best for yourself, do what's best for the people around you and to think of others when you make decisions, you know, um, I mean, I wish I could say this to everybody who's in charge too. Cause <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but to just also have patience for, for like your fellow human as well, because people are scared. People are, you know, people have been strung thin for months. People have lost their jobs. People have lost income. People have lost family members and um, it's just a hard time. And, but this is a collective experience that we're all going through. Well, a large majority of us are going through together. And so I just try, I personally try to keep that in mind when I think about, you know, Oh man, we can't take a vacation or like, Oh, I can't compete in a meet. Um, You know, and I just try to wake up every day and feel thankful for what I do have and try to focus on what I can control. So. Yeah, that's a good word. Well, folks, you've heard it here first. This has just been a great conversation with Jessica Wester. You can find her on Instagram at underscore Jessica Wester. Uh, her sponsor is HVIII Brand Goods. I never know how to pronounce that. It's so awkward. It's hate. Everyone, everyone will be like, the math is hate. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hate Brand Goods. We're going to go with that. Uh, Havoc Coffee Co. as well. You use your code Jessica. And our mutual sponsor who does also sponsor this podcast, Raw Grip Chalk. Uh, is of course the best quality chalk liquid and powder in the world. So make sure you go get some of that as well. But folks, we'll catch you next time. Hey, y'all, if you love that episode and you're craving just a little bit more from me and the show, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify at Faith Fitness and French Toast or visit me on Instagram at Big Mo Powerlifting 
or at Faith Fitness Podcast for full interviews, trailers, and more for the rest of Season 4. We've got one more episode coming up for this first half of Season 4 with Rob Hall on August 1st. The show is going to take about a month break as I settle in as I move out west to Salt Lake City. And then we've got an action-packed follow-up eight guests that we're going to run through in the fall for the rest of 2020. And we're going to close it out with the biggest season finale yet. So don't forget to turn on those post notifications on Instagram and stay connected on your platform choice to be the first to hear about those guest announcements and my classic early episode releases. So with that, I'm Moses Allwood. Thanks as always for listening. And I'll see you August 1st with Rob the Savage Hall.